Welcome to another episode of Tapasya Loading. This episode is brought to you by EveryNowHearMusic.com. That's my artist website. It's brought to you by HolisticPianoAcademy.com. That's my coaching and mentoring website. It's still in beta mode, but we've been working on a bunch of resources and courses to offer you in the meanwhile. So please do come around and see if um, we can help you out. It's also brought to you by TLWrites.com. That's my freelance writing business specifically designed for creative professionals, musicians and artists like you. So if you need an international bio or written material written for your content, customized for your content, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm super happy to welcome our guest today. Tadao is Japan's second or maybe even third generation of Indian classical musicians. Um, it's quite a journey. Uh, as someone who speaks four languages, I can tell you that the kind of dedication and passion it takes to just move to a country and learn not one but two languages at the same time. It's just a, a whole different league, but I don't want to give too much away. He's also a very dear friend who I hope to have the chance to collaborate with uh, sometime in the near future. We've been talking about that for a while now. He stayed up way late into the wee hours of the morning to do this conversation, something I can intimately relate to, because even as we speak, I'm up at 2.30 in the morning to do... Uh, a podcast session with a guest in Florida right now. So mad respect and mad love for coming out and doing this, Talao. So without much further ado, let's do this. Hello fellow beings, welcome to Tapasya Loading, a safe space to attempt honest, raw and authentic conversation in homage to the ancient act of stoking a sacred fire. Check, check, hello, hello, yes. Hello, hello. Yes. Good morning, my brother. Hi, good morning. Uh, what time is there? Uh, it's 10.30 in the evening. What time is it in Japan? Uh, 2 a.m. <laughs> in midnight. Oh, wow. I, thank you so much for staying up so late for me. <laughs> it's my pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. How have you been, my brother? Um, I, you mean after the COVID, right? Um, generally. Yeah, generally. The, um... Of course, it's maybe the same situation for the every musicians after the, it was 2020. Even I don't remember that all the, my concert and the event has been cancelled once I become mm-hmm. very much free. Um, but um, after that, I got many, you know, um, chance to release some books or some magazines, um, the many work. I got accept concert. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I was doing busy. Yeah, you sounded busy. Yes, you seem like the kind of person who would always find a creative solution to keep himself busy. <laughs> Which brings me to my first memory of you. You and I met in Kolkata in India. Yeah. Uh, where you have a, a long history. You're uh, one of Japan's first generation of Indian classical musicians? Are you the first generation or would you say second? Um, um, I don't think so. It's not exactly like first generation. It must be like, um, um, that will be the, um, uh, maybe during the 70s, like during the hippie period or something before I was born. Really? Yeah. Oh, that long already. Uh, um, there's some Japanese people went to India, they learned something the Indian music, they came back to Japan and they teach to the next generation. Maybe in that way, I am, maybe I am, maybe third generation in Japan, or maybe. <laughs> wow, mm. third generation of Indian classical musicians I think in so. Japan yeah. already. Wow, I'd see most people in the world don't even know about this. 
Yeah.、Uh, mm, I don't know why, compared to other countries, like、um, Japanese and German e s people,、uh, the many Indian classical music players.、Mm. Yeah, that is actually interesting.、Mm. Uh, you're right. You're right. I, I happen to know a lot of German Indian classical musicians as well. Yeah. But in your case with Japan, I find it、um, especially interesting because、um, I've been told that. For in a lot of ways, it's easier for someone from Japan、mm-hmm. to understand certain cultural nuances、mm. of Indian classical musicians since it's still, you know, Asia. I know we're very different cultures, but there are certain nuances which are easier for you to understand. Do you think that's right?、Uh, yeah,、um, maybe,、uh, like、uh, which I、uh, told you, maybe the first generation, second generation, they, when they start the Started to play this music, Indian classical music. Maybe it looks like maybe that time they were already after the 25 or 26 or after 30 years old, something that time.、Mm-hmm. But in my, in、mm-hmm. my case,、um, I started to play this instrument when I was 15, like after, when I was a junior high school.、Wow. Then I went to India when I was high school, year of I think 96 something. How old were you when you came to India for the first time? I was in the high school. It must be 18 or something. Wow, so really young. Yeah. So that's why, for my case,、um, it was everything natural. Like,、um, you know, <laughs>、um, just I moved to there, and、uh, which I saw,、uh, which I hear, the, any sound and culture and everything, I accepted very naturally. Mm. Yeah, I know. For my listeners, Tada speaks fluent Bengali. He probably speaks better Bengali than I do, which is my <laughs> ancestral language.、And、really, I mean, if this podcast was、uh, you know, bilingual, I would have given you an example. But I also don't want to make a, make、like、a token out of it. Tad, I have so much respect for you on this regard. <laughs> Thank you. You really, you really have grown and developed a side to you, which is. Legitimately Bengali. <laughs> so,、um, uh, and we're going to get more into that, but、uh, I'm going to trace your journey a little. Correct me if I'm wrong. You moved to Kolkata for a while to study with Pandit Monod Shankar、yes. of the Maihar Garam. Yeah. And、um, you literally moved in with the family, true to the nature of the Gurukul.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, you lived with the family. And you studied with him. Yes.、Um, was this the first time you were playing sitar, or did you have some basic training in, in the instrument? Yes, my、uh, first teacher was Japanese when I was 15 years old. And then my first instrument, I got that one,、uh, that instrument in Japan. That was kind of not that good quality,、uh, it was second hand.、Mm-hmm. Mm, I was the playing that. First two years or something, but one day,、um, backside of the instrument, I saw、um, that little clock.、Mm-hmm. Uh, then, <laughs>、um, t I e I was asking to my teacher, when I, when, when I, where can I get the, the proper repairing for this instrument?、Right. And simply he said, Oh, Calcutta. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if he,、uh, his answer was like that, there's no way, right? The next week, I made a passport. And visa, and I booked my air ticket to Calcutta, you know. <laughs> Then, wow, yeah, in one week, in one week you made a visa and a passport.、Uh, not, yeah, not、Kolkata. that much 
uh, the first, but uh, I remember still um, that was my, the winter holiday of my high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I booked my ticket to uh, Osaka to Delhi by mm-hmm. Air India flight. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first trip to the India. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the experience like for you the first time? Um, you know, nowadays, the India has been changed a lot. Mm. Uh, but more, that was more than 20 years back, at the end of the 90s, 96 or something. That time, even the Indian capital, Delhi, also, mm. um, how can I say, everything getting more the cows, like, you know, the cow was going on the street and um, it not so clean. It was not like that. Even there was no supermarket at all. Wow. So it was a lot more rustic. Yes. Mm. And um, were, were you in Osaka bef- uh, before you went to India? Is that Yeah, yeah, place? yeah. That is my hometown. Still, I mean, usually I'm living in Osaka. And Osaka is an extremely modern technologically advanced city even in the 90s so that contrast must have been quite a lot to digest yes um that was big that was big adventure (laughs) (laughs) how did it feel um still i remember the smell of the airport and um like when i came out from the exit uh delhi Mm -hmm. airport even the midnight, I saw the many people, too many people, like, and I thought that some festival is going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a festival going on in India. Yeah, <laughs> not only Durga Puja and Diwali. No, there's always a festival. Yeah, yeah that was, the, even I couldn't speak any single word of English that time. Wow. Oh. So, how did he communicate? Oh. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How I could communicate, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So was it just hand gestures, just gesticulating? Or, or? Um, because, you know, you know, as well, in India, there's more than 50 languages. Yeah? Yeah. The language problem, even between Indian people, is there, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. A lot of people outside India don't even know that. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, like, um, so like, kind of like language problem is not problem, at least not problem for the big Indian people, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so cool. maybe that was the kind of lucky. So still they were trying to, you know, communicate to me, if I don't speak mm-hmm. English. So, just. Uh, and at that time, I was too young, teenager, so mm, I pick up the language quite quickly. How, um, how long would you say you took to speak uh, Bengali? Oh, that time was um, one month something. One month? You learned Bengali in one month? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that time I went to India um, to get a good quality instrument. Mm-hmm. The reason why I fly to India that the first time. And did you meet your Guruji the very first time, or did that happen later? Ah, uh, not that trip. Maybe after a few trips. After a few trips. Right. Yeah, I went to under my Guruji uh, when I was nineteen. Um, it was maybe year of ninety nine or something. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So you started uh, your 
tutelage in the same year I left to study uh, piano formally in Europe. Uh-huh. Mm. So, uh, so in a way, our journey started in the same year. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Why Pandit, uh, Pandit Monochankar? How did that happen? How did you meet him? Um, like, of course, that time during the 90s, um, there was no internet, right, still? Mm-hmm. Mm, there's no email facility at all. Right. Um, mm, I was searching some um, name of some player, um, name of some institute before I leave from Japan. But when I arrived to Kolkata, uh, mm-hmm. I got those information was quite old information, like someone already passed away, someone already moved to out of India. Um, then um, it was not work. Then, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was asking to my, the craftsman, like, who made my instrument when I was high school. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then he introduced me to one, the teacher, was my Guruji, um, Pandit Manojishanka. <laughs> then I went to Guruji's house first time with him. Um, ah. Yeah. But um, he's, he passed, he just passed away last year, uh, age of 86 or something. He had um, the kind of the image for the foreigner. Yes. It's like more, <laughs> uh, maybe during the 70s or something, the more hippie kind of the lifestyle people. Mm-hmm. Like um, coming to some under some guru, uh, but they never practice. They always, you know, smoking ganja <laughs> or something. Mm, yes, I know the type. So they had quite bad image for the, those foreigner. So that's why um, mm, he never trust me. Like during the first lesson. Really? Yeah, I remember the 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 first lesson. Uh, he started to teach me. The music was not end, but suddenly he stopped playing. Then he said, just one hour, it's over. Just listen, stop it. You go now, or something like that. <laughs> wow. Uh, so he stopped you in the middle of the lesson and said goodbye. Something like. Uh, then, but he was asking me, uh, you like to have a lesson some other day also? So he was asking me, but I had no idea. But... Um, I said yes. <laughs> then second lesson was also like that. Suddenly he stopped. Maybe that was third or fourth lesson. More than one hour or one and a half, we are playing. My finger was getting pain. Mm-hmm. I was watching the, the clock. Then <laughs> he was shouting, so where is he? Where looking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in that way, the slowly, slowly, he, he trust me, <laughs> maybe. Wow. Um, so how long do you think you took to win his trust? How many months or weeks or years? Um, that time um, I was there for another one month or something. Then once I uh, went to back to Japan mm-hmm. to graduate my college. Right. W- what were you studying in college? The subject was uh, the pottery art, Japanese po- ceramic art. Wow. Mm. So you're a interdisciplinary artist. Yeah, but from my ch- <clears throat> uh, childhood, like um, I never studied. I'm not so into the education from that time. Mm-hmm. Mm, then I took the art high school. Um, then I came to the, the more the ceramic, um, the subject. Amazing. So that's why um, you know, sometimes it's 
it helps helps me like um when I have to design something like um my the album jacket or CD graphic or even so I was doing this the pottery art right uh, so I can make a good chapati also. <laughs> I know we're gonna come to that I, I know you're a fantastic <laughs> chef as well that we're gonna talk about that later on but I still wanna I want to understand the initial stages of your journey and your, your relationship with India after my um, the graduation just next day of grad, um, just next day of my graduation um, I fly back to Kolkata wow you sound like you really missed Kolkata now yeah mm. no i mean even back then if you take a flight to kolkata right after the day of your college graduation you must have really missed it yes and uh, what happened then then oh that was um the kind of the trouble like um of course to visit some country or place mm-hmm. and to living in that place it's totally different things right oh yeah yeah. Indeed. Of course, um after I moved to Kolkata, the the English is not enough to, you know, because my guru is Bengali, his family Bengali and my landlord everyone was like a Bengali Hindu family. Mm. Um then so I went to the language school. Really? For 6 months or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you went? To, you actually went to a school to learn Bengali? Yeah, for six months or something like Namaskar, Apuniki Manishan, blah blah blah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh. which school was this? Ah, uh, I forgot the name of the school. It was located in Baraganj Takira Road near the Punjab Club. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, really? I have a really good friend who lives there, actually. So, uh, yeah. Mm. How was your Bengali after six months? Could you communicate fluently after that? Hmm. That was um, the kind of like a strange experience. My the language skill in Bengali was nothing like um, improved for six months. Then after the six months, I took a small holiday. I went back to mm-hmm. Japan for my um, renew my passport or something. I don't remember. I was in my hometown for maybe two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Then again, I came back to Kolkata. Then after I reached to the, arrived to the airport, suddenly, suddenly I could understand what the, the people there are talking. Wow. Oh, that's three, two or three, three weeks. Of course, I didn't speak any Bengali. Interesting. Oh, but suddenly, I don't know why. And Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I remember uh, when I first started learning German, it's a little different because I grew up with the German around me. My uh, Some of my family is German. But I remember when I really started to speak, it took me, it's like in the beginning, it felt like I don't understand anything. And then all of a sudden, one day, it felt like, oh, I know this. I know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh. out of the blue. And um, I'm learning Spanish now. Uh-huh. And it's really, it's interesting. Like some days I'll be like, what? I have no clue. It's like, I forget everything. Mm. And uh, I'm hoping one day it's going to be the identical experience but anyway we're still talking about you so when you moved to kolkata after your college graduation how long did you stay here uh that time i was there for um almost three three years or three and a half years something so i I, finally i came back to my hometown 2003 beautiful How, how was your experience here living uh and working as a musician and and for for all what was it like studying so intensely for these three years with your Guruji? 
Mm. I never like imagined like how I will be. Like I'll be the professional musician or I'll be the company worker or something. You know, I had no idea at all that time. Uh, but um, slowly, like some people was giving me some concert um, you know, offers mm-hmm. to make a performance in front of some audience mm-hmm. from my younger age. So then one day I got some performance fee. Mm-hmm. Then the same things, I was just continuing af- even after I came back to Japan also. Oh, Nage. So it was a very seamless transition. Mm-hmm. And, and what was it like studying so intensely with the Guruji, living with him? living with his family. What was that like? Yeah, my Guruji was living in Bariganj. I was in the Dakuria. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, quite close. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm. Was he tough during the lessons? What were the lessons like? Oh, mm. yes, <laughs> everything it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, um, sometime my Guruji was a you know, like shouting and go out, go out, <laughs> really? something like that. <laughs> Sounds like a true Bengali. Uh. <laughs> How did it feel for you? Did did he find that easy to take in your stride, or did it affect you a lot? Um, but no way. I was living there only for them, the music, the learning, learning music. So mm-hmm. mm, anyway, I have to try and more and more and more. Mm. Gotcha. So it, it, it motivated you to work harder. Yes. So when did you start, okay, and this is something I'm interested in too, when did you start le- to uh, learn to cook Bengali food? Because for my listeners, Tadao is an expert chef in Bengali cuisine, by the way. <laughs> so when did that start happening? Oh, um, I don't remember exactly. Like, of course, I used to cook, like, because I didn't, didn't have a father and I have, no brother and sister. I was always alone in my house from my childhood. Like, um, I used to cook, like, pasta or, you know, omelette, like, more easy things. Then, that time, after I moved to Kolkata, um, still that we didn't see any supermarket or any imported the, the food in that time. Japanese people, we use a lot of soy sauce and some, like, uh, rice wine for the cooking. Uh, yes. Right. Well, um, mm, the, those things were a bit difficult to get that time. So, but mm-hmm. so if I want to cook something, I have to use a masala. Yeah. So I was liking the Bengali food from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm. But one day I was sometime I was helping to my guruma. She was cooking always, and um, my Bengali family was cooking every day, watching that. And sometimes they teach me how to cook, like aru, the easy one, aru posto. Uh, the potato with the poppy seed paste, mm-hmm. or a simple dal. Mm-hmm. Then slowly, I took the, those, those cooking skills. But especially after I came back to Japan, I missed a lot the Bengali food. Mm. Mm, mm. Basically, I was <clears throat> just the started cooking more the proper way of Bengali cooking. But when did you learn? Did you learn just by watching your guruma? cook? Was it just by watching or did she teach you sometimes? And you know as well, um, the compared to other, the, the state of people, the Bengali people mm-hmm. always, they love to talk about food or cooking. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Uh, always. Yeah. <laughs> In, indeed. But mostly, you know, they are t- just, uh, you know, chatting, just two or three topics. 
about cooking and food or cricket or politics, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. You got it, man. You have understood Bengali culture indeed. <laughs> yeah. So, like, um, like one of my the favorite the dish is called shutki mach, like the dry fish. Yeah, I love that. Uh, so, like, um, yeah. my Bengali family, they guide me. Shutimachi banate kare, teru dite, chini dite, kono roji payona. So, it's don't be shy to put the, ch- um, the sugar and the oil uh, and the chili to make that. Very true. Amazing. How long do you think... Uh, it took you how many years before you could confidently cook Bengali food? Um, uh, that I don't remember. Like, um, mm, like uh, w- one day, like everything, it came to you know my heart. Well, of course, you know the many uh, the dishes are very they're quite similar way to cook, except shutki match. Mm. Shutki match for for my listeners. Shutki match is extremely tricky because it <laughs> you're dealing with dry fish, which has a very very pungent, strong smell. Yes, so mm. it, it really needs an expert cook to handle. Really, I mean, it's delicious. Mm. Actually, uh, shutki match. Even Italians eat shutki match, right? They call it. Is that the ex- exact same fish? The in English, uh, what was that? The Bombay Bombay duck or something? Rote matcha shutki. Um, I'm not sure if it's the same fish in itself. Uh-huh. But that culture, you know, of like treating fish in the sun, mm, the mm, sun-dried mm, fish. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, Italians eat it all the time, so they do the Spanish. The Italian, some of Italian people, they use a fish sauce, right? Like Thailand. I think so, yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't uh, know. Uh. I'm not an expert on this. So I guess I, I guess the common factor here is the weather, you know, mm, countries mm. with a lot of sun and enough sand. Yes. Um, they basically will obviously figure it out. Mm-hmm. But it takes a real expert like Tadao to cook. So, If someone tried to cook that Bengali style of dry fish, um, yeah, of course, that person needs um, the experience, cooking experience and good neighbors, right? Oh yeah, yeah, very good neighbors, very friendly neighbors. Uh, otherwise, they, you know, they make it complain over for the smell. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Indeed, it can um. get pretty intense. <laughs> so, I'm trying to um, summarize again. Uh-huh. Let's talk about you. Um, let's talk about your music a little more. I want to come back to the cooking because uh, for my audiences, Tada also wrote uh, an like a number one ranking Amazon cookbook Oh yes, uh, on Bengali cooking. And I want to talk about that later on. <laughs> but let's stick to your first passion, which is music. Mm-hmm. You also worked in a lot of crossover projects later on once you developed your voice as a sitarist. Yes. Um... So what was that like once you'd learned Indian music? What was it like being of Japanese origin, learning an Indian tradition, and then using that combination in a global context. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Oh, mm, in 2003, so after I came back to my hometown, Osaka, of course, um, I didn't get any good quality of a tabla player for the accompanist. And um, right. I didn't get that much big Indian music community, of course, here 
Huh? Course, yeah. But the good point was, um, like some people went to Africa to learn the African music. Some people went to China. Some people went to the Arabic country for to learn their um, like Arabic music also. So mm-hmm. now recently, it's quite rare to hear this word, world music. Huh? Mm, yes. Uh, like world music, it means, um, um, you know, the music yeah. from everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, um, in that way, I got some event booking for to listen to Indian music and the African music, uh, so like music from all over the world. Mm-hmm. In that way, I got um, uh, the connection with many type of musician at the beginning. Right. Yeah, I met with many people f- from African drum side who played the West African, like a djembe or those African drums, the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then after that, um, I met with some hip hop people. Right. Mm-hmm. But for me, everything's same. Like um, because I have um, no other music knowledge. I don't know the Western music training. My basic uh, music knowledge is the Indian classical music. So the thing is just how I can um, together with them yeah? inside the music. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought the big change in those type of music, uh, for example, maybe during 70s or 80s, maybe up to the 90s, like... Um, when I hear like the taste of Indian music sound or Arabic music melody or something like that in, inside the pop music or hip hop music or techno music even, mm-hmm. that was um, just a flavor, you know, Indian accent or Arabic accent or something like that. Up to, yeah. But after mm-hmm. that, some, the situation become opposite. Like some of Indian people, some of Arabic people, they are trying to make um, like those hip hop or the modern kind of music. Mm-hmm. So that was not Indian flavor. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, a, I think, a big change after the 2000. I know exactly what you mean. Indeed, it's the global music. The entire paradigm has been flipped in the recent years, in a good way. Yes, now everything getting mixture very naturally, not too conceptually. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. Mm. Yes. It must be, I think for our generation, we are of the same age. It's been very interesting to see that change happening. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mm. I think in a way we're lucky to have um, experienced both sides. I think one generation above us, like our common friend, Kochuda Monojit Dotto, uh-huh. Uh, he didn't really get to see that change, you know. He was at the time he passed away. Mm-hmm. That that proper change was just about starting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure mm-hmm. he were alive today to see things the other way around. He uh, never got his due credit. Yes. Uh, so mm. For our listeners, we're referring to our common friend, the very great Munajit Datta, who was a, an Indian. Latin percussionist, mm. uh, India, India's first Latin percussionist. Um, but tell me this, in the beginning, when, when you started working as a sitarist, a Japanese sitarist, uh-huh. uh, how were you received? How did people react to it? Yeah, How did people respond to you? Oh, of course, um, it's not like folk music or pop music or uh, 
that's kind of like classic, right? So to listen the to understand the classical music for the listener also, they need the little the knowledge about the structure of the music. Mm-hmm. But of course in Japan, so we don't get that that type of listener. But anyway, once while being a stage, I have to give them something, some impression. That is not only Indian music and any stage performer, right? Right. So, hmm. Very naturally, the slowly, slowly, I got the fun, kind of, kind of fun who are supporting me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then after that, the Indian government, I mean, the Indian cons. Uh, consulate general, so they are also support that started supporting me. Right. Mm, mm, mm. That's actually really beautiful. Mm. I'm on. I'm on your website, by the way. I'm trying to understand. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so it's, a well, lot of it is in Japanese. Yeah, Japanese. No, no, don't don't apologize. But I love <laughs> this picture of uh, someone sitting at a Fender Rhodes. Can you tell me a little more about this album? Mm? Which one? Uh, it says twelve something Ginza six. Ah, Ginza Six. Um, mm. Yeah, just that was one performance in last um, last December. Right, and you played with the Fender Road? Um, I played with um. There's two vocalists, one track maker, and a trumpet means one horn section. Right. Okay. Mm mm mm. Hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, I think it's awesome that the Indian government funds global musicians like you. Mm. That's very encouraging. You also, by now, at this point, I mean, there's a lot I'm fast forwarding here because it's a complex history, but you've also uh, opened an institute where people can study Indian classical music now in, in, your, in your hometown, right? Yes, uh, from 2003. That is amazing. Tell us more, brother. Oh, mm. some students, they're learning more than 10 years um, from teenager to uh, nearly 60 years old coming to take a lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my institute, the name of Ishihama, my family name, Ishihama Sitar Shikusha Sadan, mm-hmm. uh, will get um, uh, the 20 years anniversary after uh, on, in 2023. Mm. That's next year. Wow. Wow. Are you going to organize a festival? Are you <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm asking, are you going to organize a festival for the Vandaries? Because I'd like to come. Yes, yes, yes. Sh- should sh- should be. Uh, I need to make a something. But it depends on the COVID situation also. Anyhow, uh, hopefully I can, course, make, yeah, I can make that. Mm. That would be a great reason to finally visit you in Osaka. Yeah. We've been trying to make that happen for years now. And tell, tell me, how, how's that been going? How did you uh, come? I mean, it, it must be a lot of work to, you know, found a school for uh, such a niche form of music in a foreign country although you you say you're the third generation of japanese indian classical musicians mm-hmm. but how, how has the school been received in your local communities um we can't do the group lessons the lessons just one by one it's very relaxed just you know someone coming and going and then when someone um coming to take a lesson in the night time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I have to take a dinner in my house, right? So they are, you know, taking dinner together. Wow, so uh, it's like proper Gurukul style, just like you learned from your guru. Uh, but the one different thing is, you know, one person teaching music, one 
the same person cooking also. <laughs> so no guruma. Yeah, in Kolkata, my guruji was teaching me music. My guruma was cooking, but was, uh, I'm doing the boat. <laughs> okay, so double duties. Yeah. Wow, mad respect, man. <laughs> um, do any of your students learn cooking while they're there as well? Yes. Um, actually, in this two 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 years or something, so I also started cooking class. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, because the, the reason was um, when that company, when they mm-hmm. contacted me to make the recipe book, I didn't know the, how to you know, the make a re- proper recipe. Mm, mm. Interesting. And, uh, when, and that time when I checked those other recipe book, the, the way of the, the writing the recipe was kind of, most of them, it was not so kind. Like, um, for example... You have to fry the onion until colored. Mm. Which color is that? <laughs> very, <Right>? very true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. So well said. Which color is that? Color is <laughs> a very vague term. Yeah. Um, so that's why, like, um, like the beginner student, what they ask, have a question to me about cooking. Mm-hmm. So it was big hint to make um, the recipe for my book. So when did you start right, working on this recipe book? Ah, oh, mm, it was very short time, like um, nearly, even the, the shooting was, um, shooting means I have to make, um, you know, there was more, more than 35 recipe mm-hmm. in a two days. Wow. Yeah, from morning to 1 a.m. or something. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So, so wait, so, so this is like a video recipe book? Ah, uh, no, just the classic, just, <laughs> um, just normal recipe book. Oh, paperback. Okay, Paper, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, so I'm a little confused. How did you, um, how exactly did you go about making the book? You were working from morning till one in the night just writing or no, um, cooking? No, um... I already sent to them the recipe, the, recipe, the, take, the, the text data. Okay. Uh, but the main thing is like shooting, right? Mm. Okay, so shooting what? I'm, I'm for, the, the, uh, the, for the picture means... Um, oh, the photograph. Yeah, 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 inside oh, no, the proper I studio. No, I, I have to cook something. Oh. Mm. oh, of course, right, the photography. Now I get it. That yeah. So you had to make each of all of these dishes for proper photographs. Yeah, one by one. Amazing. And you so that that actually is, you know, worthy of a lot of respect. I mean, you could have just downloaded random photographs from the internet, but instead you cooked each of these and Yeah, the even the designer and the company and even me. Yeah. Um for us it was first ex- experience to make a recipe book. Mm-hmm. So that's why everyone what work that time was confusing. Yeah, I can imagine. Sounds like a lot of work. Actually, we are going to release the second my recipe book in coming mm. April. Nice. Yeah, we already uh, finished those shooting, but that was second time for us. Everything so smooth. <laughs> Amazing. How many recipes um, does the first book have? First book has a thirty-five recipe, including like matcha or the simple fish curry and how to. To prepare the uh, proper basmati, basmati rice, how to boil it, 
Mm-hmm. But the second one, which I'm going to release on the April, that will be the 40 recipe, mm-hmm. including more with roti or taruka, um, of course, the chicken, the katiror. I'm starting to feel hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing, man. I'm mm. especially impressed that you con- that you dedicated a specific section for basmati rice. Mm, mm. I'm so glad because a lot of people generally don't know how to cook basmati rice properly, including Indians, including Indian professional cooks. Mm. So, um, I mean, you probably know this too. Yeah, because like, um, like most of the Japanese people, uh, we are rice eater, and every house they are, they have in the, um, the rice cooker. Yeah, yeah. But that is for the main dish, not for the basmati. Yes. Yeah, when they cook the basmati rice. Very early, they feel disappointed. Like uh, when they open the, the rice cooker, mm-hmm. the rice is very um, too wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. After some time, the rice becomes so hard. Yeah. So you know they can just boil it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. It's it's also it it can get tricky sometimes as well. It, it you're right. It's easy, but it can be tricky for those who have no idea how basmati rice works. Mm. So that's why I'm. I always you know. I'll tell to them, you can just think as a pasta or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, exactly. You're very right. It doesn't really work well in rice cookers. What, what, what rice do you usually eat in Japan? Um, usually Japanese people, um, they eat um, the traditional Japanese rice, more the sticky and a little more the bigger one, not, the, not as um, the long grain, more short grain type. Mm-hmm. For my case, um, usually I <laughs> eat Indian food. Yes, I know. I've noticed. Mm. But Japanese rice with Indian food is too heavy, rice itself. Mm. Uh, the Indian itself a little oily and a little heavier, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, if I put them um, like sticky and um, more rich Japanese rice is like too much. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, it can be nice with a more the sushi kind of thing, more, you know, it can yes. be like a balance, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, it also is a lot more dense. Though, like sticky rice is, uh, 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 dense. Uh. but it's also higher in nutritional content. Mm. Anyways, um, not to digress too much. So um, let's get this straight. You've, uh, I'm trying to rewind again a little more. You've started working on your uh, new music school, and you start mm-hmm. cooking as well. And so at this point, right now, do you? teach cooking and music at the same time or are they separate courses of course of course separate okay yeah but um but before that um i had one memory like after i came back to japan in yeah. 2003 mm-hmm. um the reason why i started working for the more cooking side also after that and later mm-hmm. um so the reason was um, i started to organize one the regular, the monthly Indian classical music event nearby nearby my house in right. 2003. Yeah. So, like, so it was self-organizing and, you know, I was <clears throat> uh, the, the making the event every month. Mm-hmm. Then that manager told me, so if you're going to organize as a monthly event, um, without music, it... it is there a possibility to put them any other Indian, the culture or something? Oh, so okay. then I asked to the manager, um, for example, what is that? Then mm. the, he said, um, how about cook the Indian food? Mm-hmm. Then I asked to him, you know, then you know, who will make that? Oh, you can make it. <laughs> 
Amazing. Good move. Then, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah, I used to cook by, by myself or you know, for four or five people at least, usually. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, but I never imagined, I accepted to that idea, but I, I, the experience for them, like cooking for the more than 50 people, 100 people, something like that. Oh, wait, so now you're cooking for 100 people? Yes, for wow. them, who, for, to, for the audience. In Kolkata, mm-hmm. when I visit some kind of a house concert, we can hear the good quality music, and, and also there's some snacks or proper meal sometime, or, hmm? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, even inside the house, that feeling I want, um, I wanted to make it. Right. Uh, but that was so tough. But before the performance, I have to make um that much food. <laughs> wow, that is yeah, that is amazing, man. You cooked for a hundred people before a performance. Yeah, always above fifty. Okay. Fifty, yeah, fifty to hundred. And how many dishes? Um, two or three. That's quite a bit. So a three-course meal for about 50 people. Like a main dish and some side dish or some mm-hmm. dal or something. It's just normal, like Bengali food. Right. And um, so, so you're cooking for 50-plus people, and then you're going and performing music as well? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Mad respect, man. That is, that is badass. Then I, mean, um, I don't know of anyone else who does this. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Then, um, because I accepted to their idea, because I said yes to the manager, eh? mm-hmm. so I have a responsibility for that. Then I was the continue that event monthly. Mm-hmm. Then it was I continued eleven years. Wow! Total hundred eight time, I did. Wow! Related um, these events. Yeah, hundred eight time. Mad respect. Yeah. Then after I finished 108 time of that event, the cooking to the audience and um, performing together and organize the event also, then one thing I realized, it's too tough. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> you, you did it 108 times before you realized that? Yeah, mm, it was big chanting. <laughs> I can imagine. And you were cooking all of this alone? You had no assistance? No one. Wow, that is mind-boggling, man. That's crazy. Mm. So I got to ask you, I mean, this was not a planned question, but Tada, you've always had, you always have this super positive vibe around. You're always in a good mood. How do you do it, man? How are you always in such a good mood? Oh, do you think so? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. I mean, everything you say and do is always comes with a positive vibe. I mean... Mm. Or am I am I projecting? Yeah, maybe you are right. Except uh, when I get hungover. Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> well, mm. hungover is a good excuse. Mm, mm, mm. Well, um, maybe that was like um, like when I was born in in my family. On um, that time, my mother was working, and um, uh, I didn't have a. My father was ice outside. Like I had a lot of trouble during. Before the teenager. Mm. Oh. So did I. Then one day I realized, like, um, why I have to follow to, you know, some rule or system? Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, of course, um, I was born in Japan. Mm-hmm. They usually, 
like 99% of my friends go to the proper high school with the proper, you know, um, the company worker, something like, like something like that. And everyone um, told me to follow it, follow it, follow it. But I didn't have any interest for that line. Mm. Mm. Then from my younger age, I took the, my, the art line. Then uh, finally I um, came to this music line also. Mm-hmm. Mm. How did your family react in the beginning when you decided to go a different path? Mm. Mm. First, I remember after maybe it was end of jun- uh, junior high school. Um, the simply I said to my mother uh, because I don't like um, the education, not, not really. Uh, maybe. I don't go to the high school. Mm. Then, my mo- then my mother said, please, at least high school you should go. <laughs> mm, please, please. Then, you know, um, then I was the searching the information, like uh, what kind of the high school is there? Uh, mm. Like uh, some high school is specialized for uh, the maths or some, the, the chemi- chemists or I don't know. But there are just p- very few of them. they uh, specialized for the specialized for the art. Mm-hmm. Mm. Then I just they mm, it was interesting, and I didn't like um, any education, <clears throat> the study. But I, when I was kids, I loved to do them um, the drawing. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I thought, I thought if I go there. So I can do the fun painting and, um, you know, more relaxed mood. And then even maybe my mother will be satisfied. satisfied. I can go to the high school. Huh? Yeah. Like, some, yeah, something like that. So I took that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the few months, my leather was um, inside my, my class, <clears throat> class. I was second or something, a third Amazing. or something. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Then my mother uh, become you know so pissed uh, like so pissed off like um because my the teacher was say your son is you know, doing very well he was <laughs> saying like that but my mother suddenly started shouting to me then in front of my teacher what are, what the fuck are you doing how much the money I'm paying for the per year for only for you. <laughs> But you said you took the outline for the for, for high school. Why is not number one? Why you are second or why you are second or third? It's so typical. That yeah, is such yeah, a typically you, Asian reaction. Yeah, you can leave from this, this high school tomorrow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that is uh, such a such a quintessential Asian reaction. Yeah, maybe kind of maybe Asian yeah. typical things yeah, or something. Very much. So I had a similar a similar um, experience as in my school in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I spent my earliest years in school in London and then I came mm-hmm. back to India. And my school in India was a disaster. It's a miracle mm-hmm. I even passed. I like it, Just like you, I didn't want to go to high school. I said, I'm quitting. Mm. I finally, I've somehow managed to pass. And then I left when I was 20 years old. I went to Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first year there was actually a preparatory course it was almost like school you know so i had to compensate for uh-huh. school in a way to in order to enter college and uh same thing after one year i was the first uh, in class and i got a scholarship 
And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, my parents was like, oh. well, what the hell's going on now? You know, I mean, and uh, so, um, yeah, I, can, I, I guess, you know, that's where aptitude comes in. That being said, when I was a child in London, I, was, I used to do very well in school. In fact, mm-hmm. I was uh, two classes above what I was supposed to be. But uh-huh. your, your story is something I can... Inti- this could have been my story as well. So it's like, <laughs> it's like parallel lives. Um, <laughs> except in my case, my parents by that time, they were just surprised that I hadn't... Uh, you know, when I, went, when I left uh, for Germany, for Europe, my, mm-hmm. my dad was pretty sure I'm going to quit in a few months anyway. So... Um, because by that time, they just kind of, at least my dad, my mom uh, was always very supportive, but my dad was kind of, he'd given up on me by then. Anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> long story cut short, I can intimately relate to that. And uh-huh. Amazing, man. We're, we're actually almost at the end of uh, our, uh, our uh, podcast, but I don't want to let you go before asking you... Um, uh, a little more about how it's been for you to be a cultural ambassador between Japan and India. I mean, that's a very special and very honorable, uh, in a very commendable role you're playing, and it's a rare one. So how's that journey been, Tata? Mm, I never think I'm kind of like a cultural ambassador or something, but... Um, mm. Well, that just speaks <coughs> for that's- you. Because it's very natural to you. It's not something you yes, have to train yes, in. Yes. You mm. are a cultural ambassador. Mm, anyway. mm, mm. Yes, and um, yeah, that was everything natural for me. It was like, um, just difference is like uh, when I playing the, the Indian classical music in, in front of the people, the audience. Mm-hmm. So that is like, the style is kind of my home or something, I can say. Mm. Um, and also, I'm enjoying to work with, um, with many other kind of musicians, like um, um, I went to the London, I went to the New York. Uh, yes, I know. Mm, mm. Mm. And some other cities in America, the Hong Kong, Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. Yeah, But uh, um, the one story I realized when I visited in London, mm-hmm. I was working with um, one my friend, the producer, Sparky Siki, who were um, the working with the Courtney Pine, um, like UK hip hop thing mm-hmm. from the eighties. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so originally he's from like Jamaican UK. Yeah. And um, obviously you know as well, that most of them, um, the UK hip hop scenes, black people, and um, they are keeping that style, right? For the many years. Sure. Yeah. And this, of course, they know them, how the Punjabi, the people, they are making music. Like, they know, at least they know the name of Bangra. Yeah, of course. I mean, London, um, London is It's famous, part. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. knows everyone, each other's culture in London. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but they never mix very deeply, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh. Like uh, it's same things I thought in New York, New York also. Most of them they are trying to trying to keep their own identity so much. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yes. So that's why one day uh, some friend was t- asking me about how to make more the Indian uh, the touch to the music mm-hmm. as a 
a dude in the mix for one hip hop hip hop tracks. Then I said, because you're from UK, you know the Bangla style or some accent, right? But so I just made it like the bass should be this accent and the hi-hat will be this here. Not a little late, a little not on a little front, like that way. Mm-hmm. Then you know the the feelings and the accent of the Bangla. It beautiful. came into the inside of music. Yeah, beautiful. But yeah, but why, you know, they didn't know that because themselves they are from UK, right? More than me, they are listening to Bangla music. <laughs> mm. Interesting point actually. I love the way you yeah. described the movement of the hi hats, by the way. Sorry, I had to just add that. <laughs> yeah, it's very well said, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. Sometimes, uh, even though we are, ex- we have the uh, the exposure to certain cultures around us, especially I've noticed mm. in London, people are so busy trying to understand their own culture because they're we're mm. diasporic, right? Like diasporic Jamaicans, diasporic South Asians, diasporic uh, mm-hmm. Asians in London, they tend to get a little bit of a tunnel vision. I've noticed mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, you'd think there'd be a little more exchange happening than there sometimes is. But um, yeah, I mean, we could talk. Yeah, I hope so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, we could talk about that for an entire episode again. Mm. But um, before um, we come to an end, I want to ask you this. For younger musicians and younger artists who want to explore other cultures and imbibe other cultures uh, outside their own native culture and make it their mm-hmm. own respectfully uh, in the manner you have, what are your suggestions and going about it authentically? Mm. Of course, try to understand the other culture. Of course, without respect, it never can be happen. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm, that's very true. But um, if, but that also, um, if someone they think in that way too much, that also very, um, you know, it will make much more smaller. Yeah, I know. What uh, you mean. Yeah, the kind of like so, you know, maybe the, when the generation change, mm-hmm. mm, the um, the relation of the people and. Um, the situation of the culture, also everything more than melt, um, yeah. more nice way. I hope. Yeah, I think what uh, you're trying uh, to say is don't you know it's don't remain formal all your life. Don't something be, like uh, don't, don't be too formal all your life. At some point, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess with mm. most relationships, you, I mean, you start off being very polite and very respectful in the beginning, but if mm, you mm, if you're mm. always polite and always only polite. Mm. You, you don't really get to know each other, right? Yeah, it's the same yeah. things as like the same time they are making wall in exactly. front of you know exactly. themselves. Mm. So true, so true. I totally yeah. hear you, man. It's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky, especially in today's global scenario. It's tricky to find that balance between respectful, uh, you know, boundaries for lack of a better term and walls and not turning them into walls. In a way, mm-hmm. I feel like in our generation, in in a lot of ways. It was easier because, you know, we didn't have to be as politically correct as we have to be today. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying one is bad and the other is better. I'm just saying the way it is. In a way, for us, uh, well, we had lesser information, but we had a Mm -hmm. little more freedom to explore on our own terms, I think, other cultures. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, maybe that's me. Um, um, 
but I mean, I mean, you're a fantastic example of how to go about it, right? You moved to the country, you learned the language, you speak the language better than I do now, and, uh, <laughs> and you're you're a true uh, ambassador between to these cultures. Um, yeah, I I, I hope so. Mm. Everything, uh, as I told you, everything natural for me. Yes, but one the, just recently one strange. Um, offer came to me. One book, another book company, um, you know, they told me to make um, the story about me. Mm. One book. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they did <clears throat> um, did the interview already. Interesting. That's that sounds. Yeah, awesome. I'm. Yeah, I'm just editing now, and which now. Also, we'll be going to release on the April or something. Nice. Mm. What's the best way to support your work, Tadao? Oh, support. Well, of course, um, uh, my latest album, which I released on 2019, I think, the two years back, mm-hmm. is a- a- available to listen in the Spotify and other, you know, those, the media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I hope they, the listener will like it. Yes. Yeah, that was um, the the theme of the, my last album was um, for the many years I was um, the working for the editing side of the music also with for with hip hop music or with any other more commercial music also, but maybe. Um, you, you feel same things after the edit the the fine and fine editing. Yeah, it can make a more uh, the strong grooveness, more fine and beautiful sound. But same times, it sometimes it will be lost. Yeah. The, um, yeah. the low the feeling of the low material. Yes, absolutely. Uh, agree. Right. Mm, mm, mm. So that's why during the recording of my last album, before I entered to the studio. Even the no rehearsal and no talking with other musicians. Interesting. So, yeah, everything it's just instantly made it inside the studio. So the spontaneity of it all. Mm, mm. Yeah, I know exactly what so, you mean. So yeah, the three songs, um, maybe three or four songs, in, which recorded in New York, and one song in Osaka, and one song in Kolkata. It was. Mm-hmm. So I hope yeah everyone so like it. <laughs> We will make sure that all these links are included on the episode notes for my listeners, as always. <laughs> and uh, Tada, thank you so yes. much for coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Mm, thank you so much. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I, I really wish you well, and I hope we get to finally meet again soon, either in Kolkata or in Europe or Japan. I really hope I can finally come or German, visit German, you. maybe or Germany or Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, in yeah. Europe. Um, yeah. But uh, me personally, my favorite place to meet you would be in Japan because I still haven't come. I, I've been meaning <laughs> to come for. Yeah, actually, mm. I, I've, um, actually, I was planning to come to Japan in 2020. I was oh. already looking at tickets. I, you know, I was. Uh, scheduled for a tour in the US and then my second uh-huh. half of the year was uh, scheduled for uh, Asia for Japan and Indonesia oh. and then you know you know what happened but uh, I'm still holding uh, a candle to that vision and I sincerely hope that we get to yeah. meet soon yes, and uh, yes. collaborate Every, soon. yeah 
though yeah we hope really we hope that everything back to the normal absolutely after this yeah after this situation means the second half of this year hopefully yes yes same here Mm. amen to that on that note fyi i'm just stopping the recording just so you know i stopped the recording also gratitude from the bottom of my heart for listening to the very end please consider taking a minute to subscribe to our show so you know when the next episode is out This is a labor of love, one I hope snowballs into one that's sustainable in its attempt to support independent thought and authentic relating. And having you as a regular member of our audience is what makes that a realistic prospect. Much love and talk soon. Just another voice out in.